ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could, would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Cause we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Yeah, I, you know, I remember going in the bus and talking to, to Roger there in 2012 with my dad, and I was 19, you know, and looking for an opportunity and um, was really – and I, honestly, I I don't know many people know this. I, I visited a lot of different teams back in 2012. You know, I went to Junior and Gibbs and, and stuff like that, trying to find somewhere to have a shot at a job. And, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't really expect to be treated any different, right? I mean, I don't – I'm still the same person, and, you know, we just accomplished something, but – uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that's how everyone else wants to approach it, right? Okay, you know, I can't, I can't change how everyone else feels, but I think internally for you, you hold your head high, and you know, you, you have a lot of confidence going into Daytona and, and all our group, right? I mean, they all our, my guys deserve to hold their heads high too, going into LA and Daytona, knowing what they've done the previous years. So, but then you got to do it again. I mean, it's a new year. Once the once it turns 2024, it's 23 is forgotten about. So you got to. You can't really focus too much on, hey, what we did last year because living in the past is no no, no good. So uh, you got to turn your, turn your focus on 24. Welcome to the Askern NBC podcast. I'm your host, Nate Ryan. And welcome to the start of the NASCAR Cup Series in 2024. The championship run officially kicks off February 18th with the 66th Daytona 500. But the cars and stars of the Cup Series will be back on track this weekend in the Bushlight Clash at the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum. The main event is Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern, with broadcast coverage starting at 6 p.m. Eastern on Fox, and that includes the last chance qualifying race. This will be the third consecutive year that the 100-year-old Coliseum has played host to The Clash, the exhibition race that once was held at Daytona International Speedway. In a throwback to the Coliseum's history as a two-time Olympic host, the top three finishers in The Clash will receive gold, silver, and bronze medals. Last year's podium was Martin Truex Jr., Austin Dillon, and Kyle Busch, who will be one of the drivers we hear from in today's episode. We thought it a good time to revisit with five of NASCAR's big personalities about their reflections on the 2023 season and their thoughts for 2024. The NASCAR industry gathered in Nashville for its annual award ceremony just after Thanksgiving. And everything you hear in this episode came from the interviews and speeches that were given in the Music City Center just off Broadway. So as the engines are about to fire in Los Angeles, Let's hear from what some of the Clash contenders were saying the last time we heard from them. And we'll start with 2023 Cup Series champion, Ryan Blaney. 
winning is in his family's DNA, and Ryan has just crested the mountain of all wins. Ryan Blaney is a NASCAR Cup Series champion. Oh, man. Thank you, guys, man. Oh, <laughs> I'm getting emotional. Thank you, guys, man. What an awesome year, man. Thank you so much. I cannot wait to celebrate with you guys. RP, congrats. Thanks for giving me a shot. In Nashville, the number 12 Team Penske driver finally was absorbing his late-season charge to the title. You know, the week immediately after was was uh, pretty fast-paced. Um the week of Thanksgiving was kind of nice being home and not doing much. I think it kind of sank in and then you're, you know, you're with your family for Thanksgiving. So that's kind of nice to relive it. And then you, you come here, you know, and then it's, uh, it's brought back up again. You're like, Oh, okay. You get to see all your guys in one setting. The parade yesterday was fun. All my guys had a blast on, on Broadway and it just gets, you get re-reminded of it, you know? And, uh, so it's, it's been fun. I've been trying to take it all in, trying to slow everything down. Um, that's why I keep telling people I'm like, ever since even at Phoenix, I was like, we got to slow this stuff down, you know, just trying to enjoy it and remember it and embrace it. So we'll, uh, try to keep doing that, but it's been, it's been a blast and looking forward to, you know, the rest of the off season and, and what's to come internally, personally, I think it gives you more confidence, right? And Hey, I'm, you know, you're a champion and you succeeded and, and you did well in your job and your sport. And, uh, but like outside of that, like it doesn't change, right? Like you're still who you are and you're still a person, but I think internally it just it gives you a, a a good feeling of solidifying or like all right we did the ultimate accomplishment goal makes you feel good uh, but other than that like your life really doesn't change that much at least mine does i try not to change anything too much yeah i don't know i mean i don't really expect to be treated any different right i mean i don't i'm still the same person and you know we just accomplished something but uh, yeah i don't know i mean i think that's how everyone else wants to approach it, right? Okay, you know, I can't I can't change how everyone else feels, but I think internally for you, you hold your head high and, you know, you, you have a lot of confidence going into Daytona and, and all our group, right? I mean, they all our, my guys deserve to hold their heads high too going into L.A. and Daytona knowing what they've done the previous year. So, but then you got to do it again. I mean, it's a new year. Once the once it turns 2024, it's 23 is forgotten about. So you got to, you can't really focus too much on, hey, what we did last year because, Living in the past is no 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 good. So uh, you got to turn your turn your focus on twenty four. Still, the night in Nashville was for remembering what had come before, and also lamenting what couldn't be. Notably, in the absence of his late grandfather and legendary racer Lou Blaney. I really wish my grandpa could be here to see this and uh, share it with my dad. So thank you. Um, Dustin Long, NBC Sports. The line about your grandfather, did you think that was going to be the hardest line? Yeah, I, I did know when I wrote that one down, I was like, that's going to be the one that's going to get me. Um, and I know it's going to get my dad too. And uh, I think everybody just so. Yeah, either that one, you know, obviously talking about my grandpa, wishing he could be here to celebrate with my dad about it. Um, talking about the Wood Brothers almost a little bit, you know, and Glenn. Um, but yeah, the, the one you know, about my grandfather and Lou, I, I knew that one was probably going to get me and it, it did a little bit. I want to close out with, sorry, I've been going a long, a uh, long time, but, uh, so my dad told me a funny, a neat story about when we started the playoffs. Uh, you know, my dad, for you guys who know my dad, he's a very reserved guy. He doesn't talk very much. And, um, you know, he was kind of the, uh, you know, I, I started saying I wanted to be like my dad growing up. And, uh, as a kid, I think you just want to make your parents proud. And uh, so I, so when he started kind of being my motivational speaker, like through the playoffs, like he, he was telling me the story about the path. He sees the path to the championship. And, uh, you know, he was visualizing this path that we could go on this run and, and make this championship run. And, 
the first few races, I was like, eh, you know, it's, it's dad saying dad stuff, you know. But as we kind of went on, I started believing it more and more. And, um, you know, we, we won Talladega, and he said, the path's getting bigger. We won Martinsville, he said, the path lit up. And uh, I guess we, we got through the gate at Phoenix. So um, just, just unbelievable. I, uh, you know, dad's uh, motivation, his talk, his help uh, is, is super cool. He visualized it and um, took me a while to believe it. But, uh, you know, fortunately, we all did, and, and it's here now. So sorry for uh, the long speech. I kind of lost track of time. But thank you guys for being here. Enjoy your Christmas. Looks forward to seeing you guys in L.A. And Though he apologized for its length, the Blaney speech felt mostly compact and direct but also was an easygoing 10 minutes in which Blaney used the teleprompter as a guide with bullet points rather than as a verbatim script. He sounded natural as he ticked through a few dozen people to thank, with everyone from Roger Penske to the Wood Brothers to Tommy Baldwin, as well as his family, fiance, and team members. Yeah, you know, there's so many people that are involved in it, and that's like kind of what rolls through your head. It's like you can't I wish I could mention everyone tonight, but you can't. Like, I'd be talking for 20 minutes tonight if, if, if that was the case. But um, there's so many people that are involved, and I think that's where, like, my emotion came from immediately after the race was you think about all those people that gave you a shot as a kid, right? 20 years of, of people meeting people, giving you chances, working with them. A lot of great men and women that I've, you know, been able to work with through the years and met and gave me chances. And, and like, all those people roll, you know, roll through your mind. And uh, it's great. I mean, it's it's hard to believe, and um, you know, a lot of people deserve a ton of credit for for all the chances over the last 20 years. And um, that definitely makes it special. You rethink about all those people, and it's nice to talk to those people like after Phoenix. Like you kind of reach out uh, someone you haven't talked to in a long time. Bill and Gail Davis reached out, which was great. You know, they did a lot for my dad. And um, yeah, Trent. It was fun. We worked with him on the K&N side a little bit. And uh, yeah, it was a lot of a lot of neat people that uh, have reached out and it's been really special for me personally. That put Blaney in a reflective mood about his career and recalling some untold elements of his first meeting with Roger Penske in the Team Penske Command Center at Richmond Raceway in 2012. Yeah, I, you know, I remember going in the bus and talking to, to Roger there in 2012 with my dad. And I was 19, you know, and looking for an opportunity and um, was really, and I, honestly, I, I don't know, many people know this, I, I visited a lot of different teams back in 2012. You know, I went to junior and Gibbs and, and stuff like that, trying to find somewhere to have a shot at a job. And, um, you know, got lucky at the time from, from the Penske side, from Brad's side, and Brad was a huge part of it as well, getting me in there. And, yeah, I don't know. I, I think um, Roger had a lot of respect for my dad, and, and um, you know, I think he liked what he saw in the short little brief period, and I think Brad put a lot of good words in his ear too. And just a lot of, a lot of people, you know, fortunately speaking fairly good about me um not that i deserved it especially back then you know just getting going and um yeah gave me gave me opportunities so yeah however they convinced him to give me a shot is uh it's pretty spectacular and not only giving me a shot in 2012 but like sticking with me for 10 years is uh just says a lot about his character and, and his trust in people and there's a reason why there's a ton of people at penske who've been there for over 10 years over 20 years like he puts his faith in people and, and just lets them grow and um that's just kind of amazing person he is Naturally, Blaney also faced questions about the ambassadorial and leadership responsibilities of being the cup champion. While his soft-spoken, laid-back style might not lend itself to being a force of will yet, his presence already has been felt within NASCAR in other ways. Few drivers are as willing as Blaney to take on whatever promotional and publicity opportunities are offered to spread the racing gospel by revealing a driver's off-track lifestyle. And with the new Netflix docuseries, Full Speed, showcasing his growing brand, Blaney hinted there will be more to come. 
you know, you have to be impactful in the garage, whether it's, you know, being a big voice in the driver's council um, with NASCAR on, on this stuff. I think you, you have a, a right to be very vocal in it. Um, I'm not a very vocal person in those meetings anyway. I probably should start being that way. But um, but I think the away track stuff, I think you have a big obligation as well. And, you know, we just they just announced that TV deal going forward in the future, and I think those are huge opportunities uh, to push their drivers and champions and, and stuff like that. So I've been harping, you know, like, what do we got? What are we, what are we doing? Let's, let's you know, get, get ripping here on, on opportunities we can do to grow the sport. And I think – what they announced yesterday is a is a huge opportunity as well to kind of feed into that that year in twenty five here, and um, so yeah, I, I think uh, it's going to be some some good opportunities, and I'm I'm pushing to to do everything that we can. A key catalyst to NASCAR growth is having lightning rod personalities, and Kyle Busch traditionally has been among the best for drawing boos and cheers, but with his move to Richard Childress Racing and three wins in twenty twenty three. Bush surprisingly discovered he was growing into a fan's choice in the latter stages of his career. And Rowdy Nation loves it. Yeah, we didn't hear the boos we're used to hearing. That's right. That was a different tone. It's a good point. He'll turn 39 in May, and Bush seems poised as a new sentimental favorite with Kevin Harvick's retirement closing the door on Generation X in Cup. Yeah, are you signing me up for most popular driver this year? I'm wondering, do you think you got a chance? I have been told by NASCAR that I've finished second the last three or four years and the gap's getting closer, so. I don't know if I believe that, but I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. When you're young, you know, you come in and you start beating up on the guys that have been here for a while. People don't really take well to that, you know, so. You're not very well liked, and especially doing it the brash way that, that I did early on. It certainly got some more eyeballs on my name, but um, you know, as I've gotten a little bit older, as I've matured a little bit, as I've not won as often, um, you know, people are starting to like, hey man, that guy used to win all the time, but I want him. Like I'm going to pull for him. I want him to win. Let's see him win some more. You know, so it, it turns the table for sure. You know, I, I think that that's that's pretty awesome. I remember how many times did Jeff Gordon get booed after a win right like in the late 90s especially and then his last win that he had at martinsville i mean the crowd went nuts so it was that was you know just times change and the tables turn well so i remember having the booze and the booze be pretty loud during driver intros walking across the stage well it was on me so i didn't have to look up at the screen to see who it was right but now now when you're already done with driver intros or you're backstage behind driver intros and you hear it and you're like wait who was that and you know and then that, that now i feel like what everybody else was doing when i was walking across stage so Though no longer a team owner, it still was a busy offseason for Bush, who moved his mementos out of Kyle Bush Motorsports, the truck team that he had owned for 14 years. KBM now will be the home of Spire Motorsports, whose co-owner Jeff Dickerson helped start Bush's truck team. Bush said the time was right to sell with his focus on son Brexton's racing career. Obviously, moving everything out of KBM, yeah, that's been our off-season project so far, which has been stressful to say the least. Um, but we're taking 77,000 square feet of stuff and stuffing it in 8,000 square feet, you know. So Brexton's got a 4,000-foot shop, and then I've got a 2,000-foot with car lifts and stuff for all of my, my cool cars and stuff that I got. And then all the trophies are just on pallet racking with shelves around, around the wall, you know. So easiest, cheapest way to be able to do it, but yet still kind of show, show it off and you know, everybody always asks me, they're like, man, have you ever gone and looked at your trophies and kind of just sat there and thought about what's what's happened over the years? And I honestly, my answer was no. Like, I 
I never really walked down through uh, the museum at KBM to look at that, but they're all still there one last time. We have our foundation event next weekend, and then after that, we're, we're going to finish clearing it all out and, and move it all to the new place. So um, <laughs> it's a hell of a project to move 300-something trophies, you know, So, um, but we, we got a great team and me, Samantha, her mom, her dad, and one other guy who just kind of helps out. That's it. You know, they wanted to hire movers, and I said, no, we got five ourselves. We got it. Dude. I had the ink hasn't even dried and the money didn't even clear in the bank and the sign out front was changed so I was like damn guys like I'm trying to have meetings in the conference room and I still own the place and they're in there every day and they're running out of there I'm like get the hell out of here you still got five more days four more days I'm wondering how long my key card will still work for so um, you know actually I, I do know the secret doors that don't need key cards to get in so but I know every crack and crevice and story and secret everything of that place you know so um, obviously it's yeah it's gonna be a little bit of memory lane for for a little while but then I'm sure that'll wear off I, I think that we were a successful organization I mean it was a great a great run we, we made it 12 15 years whatever the heck it was uh, we won seven owners championships two driver championships um, you know you was it for sale? No, it wasn't for sale. But when somebody knocks on your door and offers you a, a good check that that's reasonable, then you got to take a serious look at it and consider it. And so um, that's kind of what happened. You know, it's kind of ironic, too, I think, that the same guy that got me in to the truck series ownership side, which was a probably a bad idea, um, got me out, you know, so uh, more power to them. I mean, they've, they've got a lot of um, strong ambitions and things like that. So it's going to be cool to see what Spire turns into down the road with their cup and truck series operation. Still me being a part of it is going to be neat for me to still kind of um, get my fix, if you will, without having to be there 24 uh, seven all the time and, and worrying about all the stress and, and obligations and worries that comes along with the ownership side. On the other hand, Denny Hamlin remains immersed in ownership with Michael Jordan at 2311 Racing. That team is entering a pivotal year with a new state-of-the-art shop just off I-77. But Hamlin also is laser-focused on trying to win his elusive first championship with Joe Gibbs Racing's number 11. Affected by a bum shoulder that required off-season surgery, the bulk of Hamlin's 2023 success and two wins came in the first half of the season. Hamlin noted that the past two late-season surges by Ryan Blaney and Joey Logano show that the approach to winning a championship is changing. Just the 50th was the big one for me. Um, but other than that, no, it's just they were all mid part of the year, earlier in the year, that honestly it really didn't matter when it came down to it, right? It, we, we saw certainly the, the formula to win a championship has changed. You just have to win Phoenix. You have to be good for five or six races in the season. I mean, I don't think anyone could dispute that, you know, it's just about running really well at the end of the season now. I mean, we can talk about playoff points all we want, and you know, but none of it matters. The last two champions have showed us that you just have to get hot at the very end of the year, and you can win. You can your, your season-long championship can be decided at the very end. So I think the formula has changed, and, you know, the focus has to change to, to adapt to that style. You know, certainly I believe that, you know, championships are one different now than what they, they used to. It's it's not about dominating for a whole season. It's about dominating for a very short portion of the season and it coming at the very end. Excited for, you know, the, the new team headquarters for 2311 that I spent years and years designing and, and developing and doing all the things to see that finally come to 
fruition and, and, you know, to see the excitement on the employee's face when they walk in the door for the first time, that's going to be exciting for me. So it's no different than building a house, right? Your dream house. It's, you're there every single day kind of checking on all the details. And, um, even though it's not a place I, I work day to day, um, it is a place that I work very often and it's going to be exciting for them to, to reap, you know, the benefits of, you know, what we built them. Hamlin also discussed the impact of the shoulder injury which he sustained while playing an unspecified sport. The, the major damage was, you know, I, I tore two tendons in, in Vegas week. The, the minor damage is what lingered that caused that thing to get inflamed was the bone spur that was just the genetics problem that caused me to be injured in the first place. And then when I popped the tendons, then next thing you know, I'm grinding on a rotator cuff for the rest of the year. And that was just not good. Uh, I was playing sports. Yeah, <laughs> it was, I know it was painful. I mean, there was many times where I, I he asked me to flip on a switch I can't reach it I can't touch it so it was uh, we, we were certainly up against the odds and you know one thing is I, I didn't want to use this as any kind of excuse for mm-hmm. you know not making the final four or anything like that and I think that really our performance was as good as it possibly could have been on track you know I did everything I could to succeed we just we just didn't get it done for whatever reason uh certainly didn't want that to be any excuse of of why we didn't perform well yeah every time that i had it you know numb throughout the season it we our performance is really really good so it's just it's just one of those things where i've always grown up being a right hand driver and and really i had to switch throughout the playoffs to being just a left hand hold the wheel with the left driver so it was certainly different people here at Bristol Motor Speedway tonight and Denny Hamlin gets out to very mixed reviews for these fans motivation for you there's a lot of booze out there hey I beat your favorite driver and who would that be all of them and as the host of the actions detrimental podcast Hamlin weighed whether he has fully taken the leadership mantle among drivers with Harvick's departure. I mean, that's a hard one to navigate. I, you know, I don't know that the drivers necessarily want me to be their voice. I think they want to have their own voice, which is which is what they need to do. Um, I just think that, you know, I'm certainly just more vocal on hot button topics, right? And so it looks like you guys ask all the same drivers the same questions. I think I'll probably just give you the, the sound bites that, that seem to make the headlines. And so it looks like I'm more outspoken, but really I just get asked the same question everyone does. But I feel like I have enough intel on the sport after being in it for 20 years to see it from all sides and understand um, that it's not just one-sided. It's when we sit here and we gripe and say we want more horsepower, There's it's more to it than just than that, right? I understand, well, how does that affect the owners? How does that affect the OEMs? How does that affect NASCAR? Can I just openly say, I want more horsepower and that's going to fix everything? There's always a cause and effect to everything. And I try to be strategic as I can with my answers when it comes to, when it involves the drivers. I'm not always going to be right for sure. Um, That is for absolute sure. But I certainly feel as though I do the best I can to give the most honest answers. And those sometimes aren't the most popular. Ross Chastain ended the season in a popular way for his growing fan base, winning the season finale in Phoenix. You've already gone through half a watermelon, a couple of bush lights right here in Victory Lane. Tell us what this day means to you because 
no one does this. No one beats the championship four. Has it never happened, Dave? I don't believe it's ever happened. I don't believe it's ever happened. We did something else that's never been done before. Chastain said ending 2023 with a second victory after a perplexing midseason slump was a major mood lifter for the team. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Um, it made that flight back from Phoenix way, way better. Um, yeah, it's, it was the first time I've you know winning the last race for me um of anything uh really even even growing up um didn't have i guess one time one time i had like won the last race as a kid and then and won the championship um but but to win and then be done racing um is is amazing i mean it just it, it everything that it could help it it helps right now it's just been take a breath um that's that's my message to the team is just okay we did that let's right after phoenix was okay let's let's clean everything up let's put it away and and take a break um we we need that and i believe that uh that in in life and in all this that we do that you you can't just always be training and you can't always be building race cars right and we don't need to build race cars in december so let's take an audit of where we're at let's Let's fix some things that we want fixed for it to have better in in May and June, um, and uh, and that Justin was similar in that. So um, yeah, enjoy the moment and and let's. So we haven't. I mean, they're they're working on stuff, but we you know it's it's time for everybody to take a break, take a trip, go somewhere with their family, and uh, we'll come back soon and be ready to rip in January. And the Trackhouse Racing driver also explained how it feels being a polarizing rising star in the Cup Series as well as the work he's putting in to maintain that trajectory. The first time a grown man looks at you and boos and <laughs> gives you the double bird and <laughs> says you uh, says you suck is is pretty tough and and uh, I remember the I remember the first time um it's more like when I've spun their race their their favorite driver out so I get it but the first time was tough and uh and now I see it and and I I do I I chuckle um because there's way too many to get upset about. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's, it's not, you know, I feel like they're, they're reacting to my actions. So I'm good with it. Like I, I have control and, uh, and they, they react to, you know, if I, if I bump their driver, I spin them out or, you know, whatever. Um, that's what, that's what's made, what made Phoenix so great. And what made Nash like the wind so great is that we just drove by guys and we, we beat them. Um, and I didn't, right. I didn't, make the mistakes that I've made at other tracks. So yeah, it's, uh, I never thought I would be a villain either. I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't like people to not like me. So, um, it's, uh, I've just had to learn through it and grow, grow with it. I mean, when we look back in 10 years, it'll just it'll be, we won twice and, and I'll have to clarify that we won Phoenix, but we didn't win a championship, right? It was, uh, we'll see how the rest of the, or the next years go with winners, uh, being the champion or not, but, um, incredible. Yeah, definitely ups and downs, right? Definitely times that I wish I could take back. Moments, crashes that I will work to be better at. But um, overall, keeping our group together, uh, my one group stayed exactly the same from 22. And it was primarily uh, really only a few small changes from 21 uh, when I was in the 42 car. And we transitioned to track house. Um, we've kept mostly the group together. And that's that's so rewarding whenever we went from... 18th place in points maybe in 2021 and in average running position back in back around there to 
winning races, winning two races each year. Um, very rewarding to do it with my group. Just keep building. Keep going. Don't let up. Um, I mean, this sport is so humbling. It will put you right back down below where you ever thought you could go quickly if you let it. Um, and it's going to. It's going to continue to. There's going to be days where I feel like I get punched in the face, uh, right in the nose. And um, going, you know, going to sleep, wake up the next day, get right back at it is um, is important to me and uh, something I really take a lot of pride in that we just keep showing up. We keep grinding through it. Um, so, yeah, everybody in this, you know, every driver could have a better year. <clears throat> Nobody's ever won every race. So until that happens, we'll all have something to work on. And the watermelon farm, that's his recharge station. Going to the farm. I, I, yeah, because I don't have to work there, um, it's it's great. It's it's what I enjoy and just enjoy everything about right my family and, and um, getting in their way a little bit. But, uh, but yeah, anytime I can slip off or even during the season, um, stopping in at a farm, like it, it just makes me feel at home. Um, and for a life on the road and, and all this crazy race car travel, it's uh, really rewarding to just see farmers doing their thing and um, trying to tell their story a little bit. Like, it's just, it's fun for me. So, yeah, I, honestly, like, going to ride around a farm with, a, with an old farmer is, is cool. Chase Elliott had too much time to get away in 2023, missing six races with a broken leg and suspended for another after intentionally wrecking Denny Hamlin at Charlotte. But a disorienting season ended in a familiar way. Elliott was voted most popular driver for the sixth consecutive year. The Hendrick Motorsports driver reflected on that award and also going winless for the first time in six years while missing the playoffs for the first time ever. Jordan Bianchi, The Athletic, uh, a couple weeks removed from the season now, has it given you a different perspective or kind of you know clarity on what's transpired throughout this whole year because it's been a lot? Yeah, it's def- definitely been a lot. Uh, you know, like, like I said on stage, you know, definitely a, a, a season from a competition as- aspect that I would love to forget uh, for sure. But, you know, that that's life, as I said up there too. It's, it's part of it, and you're going to go through – you're going to go through things and you're going to go through periods that, you know, you don't love and you're going to, things are going to happen. You know, I missed, missed a bunch of races and had two surgeries and, you know, a calendar year was not how I've anticipated starting my, my 2023. But, you know, that again, that's life. And, uh, and I think you learn through those situations and, you know, sometimes you have to kind of step back and, you know, realize that, you know, there are more things, uh, to it than going in circles and you got to put your health first sometimes and try to make the right decisions on, long-term health and but yeah hopefully next year you know we can just get the ball rolling and get off to a good start and just try to you know get a good foundation building from the get-go which I felt like we were doing at the beginning of this year uh had a had a solid couple weeks there before I got hurt so um would like to get that going and and uh you know progress it from there and, and try to get back where we think we can be tough period of time or you know time where you're not as competitive as as you would like to be I don't think you can just like forget all of that because somewhere in that in those struggles were lessons that you might need one day to be better and to better yourself in different situations so no I don't I don't think it's just turning the page and forgetting about it I think it's really thinking through you know the areas that we were solid in the areas that we were you know okay and decent in and areas that we weren't good in and and making sure that we uh you know cover all our bases as we're talking about all that stuff so yeah we've we, we're always talking about it and, you know, we have all year and I, I really feel like we, we've 
we're talking about the right things and, and we're looking at the right thing. It's just a matter of going and doing it, you know, and it's, it's hard. That's just what it is. It's competitive. Uh, it's a competitive uh, world that, that we live in. So, um, you know, the good news is I, I feel good about the conversations that we're having and I feel good about the areas that we're putting a lot of focus in and, um, we'll, we'll go to work and hopefully those things will improve. And, and if they don't, you just go back to work and, and continue to try to get better. It's all you can do. Please Spencer Chase. Um, is there a responsibility that comes with most popular driver? I mean, do you feel any added, I don't know, responsibility to the fans to present yourself in a way that they can look up to you and admire? Um, I mean, I, t- to be honest, I, I feel like I've just always tried to, always tried to be me, you know, the best, the best way I know how and, and to carry myself in a manner that, that I feel like is right. You know, do I always get that right? No, you know, probably not. Um, but I, I certainly, you know, try to in, in most scenarios, but I don't, I don't wake up in the morning and be like, oh yeah, you know, you're NASCAR's most popular driver. You need to go act a certain way. I mean, no, I, I think it, that's probably a, that's a bit of a reach, but you know, I, I certainly respect the honor and I don't take it lightly. And, you know, but look, I, I understand my uh, spot in line of, of my family's heritage and racing. And, and I, I feel like it's always been an extension of, of their presence here in, in NASCAR and the success they had and the many years that they spent traveling around doing this stuff. Um, and for me, I'm just, you know, fortunate to have the opportunity to, to do this uh, for a living and, you know, try to carry that forward as much as I can. So I, I, I honestly don't. I mean, I, I don't, I don't change my course of action based on the award or not. I just try to do things the best way I know how, you know, in a given circumstance and, um, you know, try to be nice to the folks that, that support us and, and make sure that we, you know, support them the best way we can, uh, you know, from my seat too. So, uh, this award's always been about the fans and, um, I'm grateful for them. Thanks for listening to the NASCAR and NBC podcast. A reminder that there will be clash at the Coliseum practice and heat races on Saturday and then the main event Sunday. You can find broadcast and schedule information for all of it by visiting NBCSports.com NASCAR. Also, lots of content there from Dustin Long and John Newby, so check out NBCSports.com NASCAR for all the NASCAR coverage this weekend and throughout the 2024 season. I'll be back before the Daytona 500 with another NASCAR and NBC podcast episode remembering a special day in race in NASCAR history. Thanks again for listening to the NASCAR NBC podcast. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.